Sterling Fox with you is sitting in for Mike Smith on this Good Friday. A very busy program underway. Lots of issues on the table. There is one that I wanted to remind you of, a conversation we had in our last half hour with Diane Francis, talking about COVID vaccines being mandatory for healthcare workers. She says the healthcare system is supposed to look after the sick and the vulnerable, but it can't do that if reckless medical professionals are exposing patients to COVID-19. This also equals applies in long-term care facilities. Do you agree with Diane? Do you think COVID vaccines should be mandatory for healthcare workers and those in long-term care homes? Buzz lines are wide open. Love it. If you take a moment on a statutory holiday to share your opinions with us, 604-331-BUZZ, 604-331-2899. Keith Baldry standing by in Victoria. Here's a reminder from Dr. Bonnie Henry about uh, the weekend activities perhaps we shouldn't be contemplating. If you need a break, go to a local campground. Stay in a local hotel. Staying local will support our local businesses. And we all know how important that is right now with the restrictions that we've had to put in place this week to try and get our numbers down. Get takeaway from your local restaurant. Support your local community. There you go. It's all about being local. Keith Baldry, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, doing well on this holiday. Indeed, and you know, we, sent, uh, we sent a crew out, uh, Jennifer Palma and a few of the team from Global TV went out to the Sawasins uh, Ferry Terminal yesterday afternoon to talk to people about staying local, and by gosh, if most of them weren't. <laughs> but BC Ferries will also hasten to tell us in a real big hurry, ridership for Easter weekend this year down at least 50% from where it is on a typical Easter weekend. And that's good because, again, we don't want people to travel right now. The virus is spreading so quickly, and with the variants particularly much more transmissible, much more infectious, that's a real concern. So uh, you heard Dr. Henry there say if you're going to move around, move around relatively small spaces locally. Mm-hmm. Don't go to anywhere where you have to stay overnight. Uh, stay, you know, I'm in Victoria. Um, my wife and I joke if we go to Oak Bay. That's a that's a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's that there's that hotel when you get there, Keith. Oh my! <laughs> but I the point being that it's just we're now in. This is the circuit breaker. It's happened not to the extent that it's happened in Ontario, by the way. While people in BC are feeling beset upon uh, and uh, and perhaps a little more confined than we have been. Uh, when you compare the uh, the restrictions that we are compelled to live under for the next short while with those Mr. Ford has leveled in Ontario, we're still looking pretty good. Yeah, and BC's never had the lockdown measures that other provinces, notably Ontario, Quebec, and Manitoba, have had um, since the pandemic began. I mean, our restaurants, for the longest time, you could not go into a restaurant and sit down and have dinner west of uh, New Brunswick uh, until you got to British Columbia. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been the case for some time. Now, of course, we've we've now restricted in-person dining. That's not allowed. Uh, and that's until at least April 19th, although I suspect that's going to be extended past then because I just don't see the evidence that we're going to get our case numbers down in any great number uh, in just three weeks. It's going to take longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the minister, uh, Minister Marks and Dr. Henry and several of their deputies had a meeting the other day with members of the arts community. Keith, there were, I believe, 35 delegates from mm-hmm. art, representing the arts communities from all across the province, many theater groups from 
Vancouver and so on. Uh, at that time, they are, the province already made an announcement about $16 million in funding for arts and culture. But this was a meeting about when can we finally uh, look at, again, uh, people in our theaters, people to perform to, that sort of thing. What did you hear from that meeting? Well, we're still a few uh, months away from that. Um, again, until we get everybody vaccinated, which won't be until June, sure. uh, I just don't see the prospect of being able to gather in any numbers, uh, particularly indoors. Now, things like Bard on the Beach and other uh, you know, tented um, type of outings, that may start to happen in the summer. But again, was probably with strict crowd control, mm-hmm. fewer numbers. Uh, Dr. Henry has talked about the urgency to open up the arts sector and the real need to do that. But again, until we get everyone vaccinated and get this virus under control, I just don't see any, any likelihood of this happening anytime soon. So I think we're looking at June, July, August for these types of acti- activities to start becoming active again, but yeah. not until then. Well, it's Easter weekend, Mr. Baldry, and you and I both know that in for many people, uh, particularly people of uh, religious affiliation and faith, this is a significant weekend with, uh, with various religious uh, ceremonies and observances beginning today on Good Friday and, of course, uh, culminating on Easter Sunday, uh, most of which in this province will simply not be allowed to happen, correct? Correct. No in-person religious services allowed. Uh, they had been announced that they were going to open, but just a few days later, the, the order came down to say, no, you can't do that. And that was in the wake of what we saw week before last was just this really steady surge of uh, increased uh, cases being detected out there. Our positivity rate went from 6% to almost, well, to more than 10% in Vancouver Coastal and Fraser Health. It's just The numbers are just, uh, we're starting to explode. So it wasn't a real surprise to see that the religious services would be included with restaurants in terms of banning indoor gatherings. And that's very unfortunate. The timing couldn't have been worse, but uh, the virus doesn't really pay attention to religious observances or the timing of anything. Of course. It, it works on its own. Now, are there still, will there still be some latitude, Keith, for gatherings, uh, religious or otherwise, outdoors this weekend? You know, I don't know. I'm going to check the health orders again. There was a health order that allows uh, up to 50 people yeah, gathering yeah. outdoors. Uh, that may still be on the books. That's a good question. I'll have to check that. But uh, again, the distinguishing um, element of the health orders are right now indoor gatherings really are a concern. Outdoor, much less so, because the virus does, simply does not transmit with the same efficiency that it does indoors. But uh, that's a good distinction to make. Had a, had a conversation earlier in the program this morning with uh, former Vancouver School Board Chair Patty Backus talking about the messaging surrounding masks and students earlier in the week, which ultimately saw the Fraser Valley uh, Health uh, Director, uh, Dr. Lee, uh, basically just take off in a row and say, okay, in my district, effective this date, all kids uh, from K to 12, masks, full stop. Uh, messaging has been, they're supporting masks, they're not mandating it. Uh, the, the point was, uh, with the rollout of this uh, on Monday and Tuesday of this week, it was perceived as a master class in how not to communicate effectively during a pandemic. My suggestion simply is that with the indoor church, no, outdoor church, maybe, um, uh, patios, maybe, indoors, no, uh, it's getting pretty. It's getting pretty messy on the messaging front, Keith. It's getting difficult for your typical British Columbian to sort it all out. 
You know, and it was like that, if you recall, last April. Remember when we first had these measures brought in, not, not about the mask, but about gatherings and, and such. Uh, there was uh, too much nuance, I think, from, from health authorities uh, and not m- enough black and white messaging. Right. That there's, you know, because I've, again, just inundated with emails and calls from people saying, can I do this A, B, or C? Mm-hmm. Stuff that's really in the gray area. Yeah. And I have to say, you know what, that is that is a good question. It's in a gray area. It's not a black and white situation. And it's been uh, kind of frustrating, I think, over the year for health authorities not to be clearer about specifics when it comes to certain behaviors mm-hmm. uh, and rules and the interpretation of them, rather than leaving up to individuals to sometimes have different interpretations of the same rule, which yep. can lead to confusion. And that's what we've been seeing since the pandemic began. And we continue to see that. And the mask one was a classic example where, where the messaging was kind of muddled and inconsistent. Right. And, again, interpreted differently by different people depending on where they live. And that, that can be frustrating. Sterling Fox in for Mike Smith on this Good Friday, joined on the line live from Victoria and the legislature by Global BC Legislative Chief Keith Baldry. Keith, lots of calls this morning, too. Let's start with Rob in Langley. Rob, good morning. Good morning. Um, I live out in Langley, and I was um, just recently at the Trading Post, which is a wonderful brewery in uh, Fort Langley. Okay. Uh, at their outdoor patio, it's basically just a freestanding temporary tent open on four sides, and I consider that a patio. Yep. Um, but then I was walking by Brown Social House just yesterday, and it's basically only open on one side with about three feet of space, and I really just wanted to know what sort of constitute defines a patio that's deemed safe. Um, yeah, you know, that's a very good question, and one we've been trying to seek clarity to, and again, it goes back to my uh, earlier comment about the nuance mm-hmm. that, um, messaging out there rather than the black and white um, uh, messaging. So if you go on the Center for Disease Control website, they had contained a, a, a sort of academic paper uh, which leaves the impression that, you know, you could have a, a three-sided open uh, tent and still be def- uh, defined as a patio, but it's, not, it's just simply posted as a paper. It's not really, is it, is it the rule? Mm-hmm. Is it not the rule? Uh, so again, this is a worksite. Worksite BC is going to be deciding a lot of this, and they'll be looking at, at various sites of what's allowed and what's not allowed. When you, this paper discusses the fact that if it's just open on two sides, that can actually um, increase transmission, right? Because uh, the air is just flowing uh, from one side to the other. So, but in this case, it was open on all four sides. You would think that would be perfectly fine. Exactly. And again, I've seen I've seen different types of patios uh, looking different. I had one in Victoria here on the sidewalk, which seemed like too much tenting, mm-hmm. as far as I was concerned. But I'm not the inspector. Interesting. Back to the phones. We're in Arrington next. Benita. Good morning to you. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Fine, thank you. Great. Um, I just tuned in just now, so you probably already covered it, but I just wanted to put my um, 100% behind what Premier Horgan said regarding um, the certain age group. And I wish that he had gone on the banger a lot sooner, but I also wish that he would have made it all inclusive and really, really, really dug his heels in and just chewed out every single age group in this province. Um, This is serious stuff, and uh, it should have been done a long, long time ago. And um, that's 
that's what I have to say. All right. Thanks, Bonita. A, a lot of that, of course, uh, re- reacted, came right back and got him right between the eyes because un- unlike what Benita suggested, where he, he basically singled out each demographic group and addressed them as perhaps she says he should have done a long time ago, he only singled out one demographic group and uh, took a bit of feedback for it, too. Oh, yeah. Premier Dad uh, is uh, getting the heat for calling out the 20 to 40-year-olds. Now, ever since I went back and checked every weekly report for this pandemic and where we started to hit the 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 date of when the 20 to 40 year olds became the dominant sort of age group was Mm -hmm. in late august where they suddenly became 41 percent 43 percent of the cases um on a daily basis and and they've been locked into that group ever since it's really not gone down or up by by more than a couple percentage points so they are the age group that seems to be getting the virus more than any other two blocks of 10-year groups. Right. Um, the older you are, the less likely you are to get COVID-19, but the more severe outcome you're likely to have if you're older. But younger, and this has been the case for some time, John Horgan wasn't hitting on a new thing. This has been the situation. For months. You go back for months, yeah. people were talking about the problem is, you know, you may not get that sick, Mr. or Miss 30-year-old, but you can take the virus back into your home or your grandparents' home and infect them, and they can get a lot sicker than you're going to get. Right. And that's still the same situation right now. Having said that, new data is showing the variants, particularly the Brazilian variant, is hitting younger people disproportionately harder yes. than older people. The, me- the median age of people getting the Brazilian variant is 27 37 is the median age for COVID-19. The number of people in hospital who are younger, under 40, is starting to creep up, particularly if they have the Brazilian variant. And a lot of it comes from Whistler, where there was a significant outbreak. Yeah. More than 1,000 people infected there, 83% of them. I think Andrew Wu in the Global Mail has got a front-page story today showing that 83% of them are younger people. Mm-hmm. And they're bringing the virus back into Metro Vancouver. That's why you're seeing, I think, a big spike in cases on the Vancouver's west side and west end, which we haven't seen since the pandemic began in the last few weeks. They've doubled the cases in those two areas, and that's very troubling. Interesting. Uh, Back to the phones with Nadia waiting patiently here in Vancouver. Nadia, good morning. Good morning. My question is regarding, uh, like, if I get vaccinated now with AstraZeneca, so I'm worried when my second dose will be, because everybody should get vaccinated, and then for the second dose I may wait forever. Mm-hmm. I- well, so you're you wait at least well you're going to wait four months, perhaps sooner. But you raise a good point. The reliability of the delivery of the vaccines is something that's proving to be troubling. AstraZeneca arrives in fits and starts, Mm -hmm. as does Moderna. And we don't know what's going to happen with the Janssen, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Pfizer seems to be the most reliable, but even that is not not etched in stone in terms of its delivery date. AstraZeneca was supposed to arrive, um, you know, on day X, and it arrives on day Y. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the four-month lag between your first and second shot, it is legitimate to raise that as a question because 
We don't, we don't have a lot of vaccines in BC. We're trying to get everybody a first dose, and we're gonna, I think we're going to achieve that. Whether we can hit the, the second dose in four months, that's a, that's a really open question, Sterling, because yeah. nobody can tell what our vaccine supply is going to be like. And we talked about this on day one when they yeah. made that decision to, to go for first, first shots for a wider number of people rather than holding mm-hmm. back and doubling up on a, on a more limited number. It's, it is, it's, in a, it's literally an experiment in progress. And we are the guinea pigs, and we don't know the answer, do we? Well, I think the, the, the science right now is that the first dose is proving to be very effective and very resilient. And so the booster dose, the second dose, is not as urgently required. But uh-huh. you still need a booster dose at some point. That's right. And that's the unknown question. Well, you know, Justin Schroeder was out there saying we're going to get 44 million doses um, by the fall. That's great. But until we see it actually be delivered physically, uh, I don't think that's necessarily a lot to go on. Because our experience in BC has been, you know, we were a a week ago. Have to leave it there, Keith. Unfortunately, it's all about lack of supply, and that's where we have to leave it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.